I'm reading 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and it's on page 1203 in the Red Bibles. And now I will show you the most excellent way. If I speak in tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to flames but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope and love. But the greatest of these is love. If you want to uh, flick back to uh, John 13, uh, which is... Uh, 1,127, as I wrangle this. It was just before Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that he had wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, you are going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, You have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, a person who had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, And that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he had put his clothes and returned. He 
put on his clothes and return to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be pleased, you'll be blessed if you do them. Jesus got up from the meal. He took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. It's a simple event. And John tells it very simply. There's no extravagant description. But there is quite a bit of detail. The story slows down so that we might see it. It's a vivid picture, isn't it? And all of us here have heard the story before, so we know that this thing happens. But for those original disciples, nothing like this had ever happened before. Yes, people needed their feet washed. Someone often would do it at a meal, but never the teacher, never the host. What happens What Jesus does is extraordinary. But the most extraordinary thing about those couple of verses, I think, verses 4 and 5, is the very first word that I left out. You see, he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist, and he washed their feet. But it begins with the word, so. There's a reason, a logic that explains this extraordinary act. And you might expect uh, in the verse before, it might say something like, as was customary at the Passover meal, so Jesus got up and washed their feet. As teachers always did at a meal like this, so Jesus got up and washed their feet. But neither of those things were true. There is only one reason why Jesus the Master would do this. Do you see it there, verse 3? Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he washed his disciples' feet. No, so. I say it is the most extraordinary thing about those verses because it makes no sense at all, does it? Imagine this. Governor Arthur Philip knew that he had come from the king and that he was returning to the king and that all things in the colony of New South Wales had been put under his power. 
So he got up and washed the convict's feet. Does that make any sense to you? No, of course not. This no, so makes no sense whatsoever except that it's God we're talking about. The only being, the only person in the entire universe who could be coming from God and returning to God and under whom all things had been put under his power who would therefore wash his disciples' feet is God himself. For it says in Philippians 2, who being in very nature God, because he was in very nature God, he made himself nothing, taking the form of a man and died upon a cross. This is our God. Our God is love. It says here, he showed them the full extent of his love by humbly serving them. And the disciples must have been blown away. They knew a little bit of who Jesus was. And John, writing later, has realized that he has come from God, is returning to God, and all things have been put under his power, and this is how he acts. And all I want us to do at that point is to go, wow, what a good God we have. Our God is love. But Jesus does want us to do more than that. And so does John, doesn't he? There is an extraordinary act here and we're supposed to do something. It's really clear and Jesus says it about five times. Verse 12, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you know, it says, do you know what I've done for you, he asked them. You call me teacher and Lord and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Jesus says again and again, as I have done, so you are to do. Do unto others as I have done. But look again, he says more than that. Verse 12, do you know what I have done for you? I have set you an example, verse 15, that you should do as I have done for you. It is not just that Jesus has set an example, perhaps call out one of the disciples, show them all and then tells them all what to do. No, he has done this. For each one of them. And so each one of them is to realize and remember what it is that Jesus has done for them and to do the same. Whenever they are challenged by having to love and serve one another, so each one of them is to say, is to remember, Jesus got up from the meal. He took off his outer clothing. He wrapped a towel around his waist. He poured water into a basin and began to wash my feet. That's what he has done for me. That's what he has done for all of us, they would think. 
Can you imagine how this must have transformed how the disciples related to each other? Were they good at being humble towards one another and serving each other? No, they were still jostling for the best places in the kingdom at this point, still asking who's the greatest. And that changed. For they remembered what Jesus had done for them. And they did it for one another. They were blown away by what Jesus had done and they remembered that he said to do what he had done for them. Sadly though, that is not true for me and it is not true for you. Has Jesus ever washed your feet? Even in my wildest dreams, I've never dreamt that Jesus has physically washed my feet. And so when Jesus says here, I've given you an example that you should do as I have done for you, it is not the same, is it? I can see what Jesus has done and be impressed by it and see that I am to do likewise. I'm to follow his example. But this, what I've done for you, you must do for others, is not true for you and I when it comes to washing our feet. But Jesus has done something far greater, hasn't he? Right throughout this story, it's obvious that something bigger is happening. Have a look back in verse 1. It was just before the Passover feast. That's big, isn't it? Remembering that God rescued his people out of Egypt with a sacrifice. Jesus knew that the time, the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. The hour that he has been talking about for ages has come. The time, the hour has come for him to leave this world. How is he going to leave? By washing his disciples' feet? Of course not. There is something bigger going on. And then there's this strange interaction, isn't there, of course, as he gets around to Peter, and of course, Peter speaks up, will you wash my feet, Lord? Of course not. And there's this strange thing going on about, uh, unless I wash you, you can't be part of me. Well, then, Lord, wash all of me. No, 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 you're already clean. What has all this got to do with it? Is it just a distraction and we better move on to the application in verse 12? No. There is something bigger going on. For Jesus is washing their feet and it points to something bigger. When he leaves this world, he will wash his disciples. He will cleanse his disciples, their very souls, by dying. And Jesus, in this act, when he says, do you know what I've done for you? You must do likewise, wash one another's feet. It's exactly the same logic, isn't it? Just tougher. Do you know what I'm about to do for you? I think Jesus is saying, not just wash your feet, but die. And as I am about to do for you, so you must do for one another. 
That makes it bigger and harder for the disciples. And it means we're in the picture, do you see? For Jesus has never washed my feet. I can never look back to a time where Jesus washed my feet. But there was a time when Jesus was stripped of his clothes, was hung up on a cross, nails in his hand and left to die. And he did it for the disciples and for me and for you. And the Bible says that what Jesus has done for you and for us, we are to do for one another. When I meet with couples to talk about their wedding, go through the wedding service, I need to explain bits of it because it's not easy to follow and let's be honest, they're going to be looking into each other's eyes and not really listening to me at the time. In the wedding service, it says that husbands must love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. I asked them, do you know what that means? How could it be that Jesus loved the church? They think it's a building. Was he really into buildings? No. I say it's a people. Jesus loved his people. Do you know how Jesus loved his people? And they usually do. He died for them. I said, that's right. And then I look at the man. And I say to him, it says here that that's what you ought to do. That's your job for her. When the opportunity comes to push her out of the way of a Mack truck so that she doesn't get killed and you get killed, you're the man and you'll simply be doing your job. More likely, every day of your married life, that's what you're to do. Give yourself up for her because that's what Jesus did for the church. And I say to the man, are you up for that? And so far, everyone has said yes. It would be very embarrassing at that point, wouldn't it, to pull back. But I do think that's what they want to do. You see here that that dying because of Jesus dying for you is not just for husbands. That's a particular case. But for all Christians, if you're someone here tonight that you know Jesus has died for you, then the logic is the same. No, so. You know Jesus died for you, so you and I must do the same for one another. Whenever this passage gets looks at, you quickly say, of course, that it's not just about washing people's feet. It's not really a thing that needs to be done these days usually, is it? It's a symbol, it's an example of menial and yucky service for other people, even washing feet. And so we must do all sorts of ways of serving. And in fact, it's not just the acts that you do, but it's a whole attitude of serving that we're to follow Jesus in this example. That's all true. That'd be true for the disciples. For Jesus washed their feet. You must do what I've done for you. Jesus says to us, you know what I've done for you. Now you must do for one another. And we must die for one another. For Jesus said, if anyone would follow me, he must take up his cross, deny himself and follow me. We must die, give up ourselves and our desires and our time and our energy 
to serve one another. And where is that for you at the moment? Is there some way of serving that seems too yucky or difficult or would impinge on your time too much? Is there a person that actually you think you are called to love but you simply find them too difficult? You'd rather die than serve them. Well, even if you think that, Jesus wants you to serve them. What I've done for you, you are to do for one another. It does sound terribly difficult and painful. And why would I want to do this? Well, because Jesus died for you. And I love the words in verse 17. Now that you know these things, so do them, you'll be blessed if you do them. This is actually a good way to live. And God delights in it and will bless us as we serve him. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this extraordinary act that the disciples witnessed and received and learnt to do likewise. Father, thanks that it points to something much bigger that Jesus did for each one of us. Help us to know and so do. Help us know what area of life we need to learn to serve and be generous and loving and sacrificial so that we would be dying for one another. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.